Welcome to the Start Me Up podcast, part of the Sexy Liberal Podcast Network in association with Muller She Wrote Media. I'm your host, Kimberly Johnson in D.C., and today my returning guest is Sarah Wood. She's the social media director for Vote Vets. She's a writer, and she's just super cool. So before we get into our conversation, the Start Me Up podcast is independent, supported by listeners, and it's woman-run. A great big thank you to everybody who supports the show. If you enjoy today's podcast, visit patreon.com slash startme up check out all the tiers i do include a tier with a much shorter intro and no ads you can hear the free shows on tuesdays and thursdays and they're followed up by what's up a show just for patrons where i talk about anything that comes to mind it's a little more personal kind of like my online diary visit patreon.com slash start me up and don't forget you can find start me up on itunes stitcher and wherever podcasts are found now please enjoy my conversation with sarah wood welcome back to the show sarah hello it's good to be here Yes, and I know that you had your fourth fucking shot yesterday. You had your fourth, well, second booster, right? Second booster, yeah. I got the fourth one yesterday, and I, I was okay for most mm-hmm. of the day, and then all of a sudden, like, around, like, 11 p.m. or so, I was just, like, it just hit me, and then I had chills overnight, low-grade fever, all the fun stuff, and, yeah, well, what, but okay, it, so, that just tells me that, like, my immune system needed it. Yeah. Do you, okay, let me ask you this. Did do you, Are you Pfizer or Moderna? This is Pfizer. Okay. And how did, I can't remember what happened before. Like, did you get symptoms every time or is this the only, what, what happened? So it basically now it's like every other one. So I was fine with the first shot. The second shot took me out, was fine with the third shot. And now this one kind of took me out a little bit too. Yeah. I know my, and I was Moderna. I'm Moderna all the way. So First one wasn't too bad. Second one, yeah, I had the, the, the low fever. It wasn't a fever fever, but, you know, low temperature. And then, um, yeah, and then the, the third was also the same. But then this one, the fourth one, I didn't feel anything. So, I don't know, maybe I had enough in me and I didn't feel it. But it was the first time, because I'd heard people say, oh, yeah, I didn't feel anything. And I always felt something. So... That's where I am on it. And just FYI, everybody. So, yeah, I know Sarah's kind of feeling a little off because of her shot. And I'm I'm kind of transitioning with hormone replacement therapy. And so I'm taking out a lot of my – I've taken out estrogen. And it's obvious because my body's just going, fuck you. <laughs> Except I can start losing weight now. I'm losing weight. And it's the first time in since I started taking estrogen. And, you know, I shouldn't be totally surprised because I remember when I was, okay, let me think. It was around 2008. So I was about 40. And I started taking Estrovin, the -the over-the-counter stuff. And I don't even remember why. But I started taking it, and I wanted to lose weight, and I couldn't. And then I put the two together. Oh, wait a minute. Maybe it's the Estrovin. So I stopped taking the estrovin and boom, I started to lose weight. So this whole time that I've gained weight, which I'm going to guess, it's not so much now, but at its worst, it was around 30 pounds. It had nothing to do with me eating too much or not getting enough exercise. It was, I swear to God, it was all estrogen. And it doesn't always affect everybody the same way. So if you go on estrogen, it doesn't mean you're going to have this experience, but I certainly did. And I think it's because I was estrogen dominant when I was younger. And it's just the way my body reacts to it. So while my mind is going kind of nuts because I'm, you know, I got the brain fade and I've, I'm tired and I feel um, just overall kind of, ugh, uh, at least I'm losing weight. So there's that. <laughs> I'm all about the vanity. So I wish I didn't care, though, but I do. So it's not, it's not fun carrying all that extra weight, especially when you're not eating. It's one thing if you're eating and you gain weight and you're like, okay, I just need to cut back on the eating. But when you're going through all of the hardcore stuff that always used to work for you and isn't working anymore, it's really maddening. So I am feeling a little bit, uh, a little bit better about my situation. So that's enough about me. Um, and before we start getting into politics, other than you having your fourth shot, which is incredibly responsible, so thank you, um, what's been going on? How's your how's your life? How are your dogs? What's going on? Oh, life is good. Life is just trucking along. Yeah. I got my, my two dogs. They're a handful, but <laughs> I wouldn't want it any other way. Of course. I have work. I have my wife. It's all, it's all, it's all going cool. pretty well. And so, okay, again... You work for Vote Vets, and they just came out with an ad. Let's tell me about the ad. 
Oh, which ad? We've well, the, been doing the, a lot. The, the one in, <laughs> isn't it in the New York Times? Oh, yes. Okay, so that was like, so we it was put out through um, Vet Voice Foundation. Mm-hmm. Um, so they, basically it was like a full page New York Times ad um, in response to gun violence. And basically it's like, we're telling the media, don't call it, um, don't call it gun control, call it gun safety because the, the NRA and the gun lobbyists, they want us, they want you to call it gun control because mm-hmm. that those words make mm-hmm. people feel like, Oh, we're being controlled. controlled. Like right. they're going to tell us what to do. They're going to take our guns away. But what we've been pushing, um, especially since it's a group, I'm not a veteran, but I work with all veterans um, that, that the group were basically like, even like general uh, major general retired um paul eaton is like listen it's the same it's a the ar-15 is a weapon of war mm-hmm. and it's it, it needs to be treated as such and yeah. it really doesn't belong in the hands of civilians now let me ask you is um does vote vets plan on taking more ads out in the newspaper uh i i don't know i i i this honestly this was like this came to me and I was like, okay, let's do this. And then, <laughs> so we, we, we put it out, promoted it. Um, yeah. So a lot of the stuff we do is a lot of rapid response to right. what's happening. Yeah. And that's good. So, I mean, and, there, yeah, there's stuff that we plan, obviously, mm-hmm. especially, but yeah. Well, I just want to throw out there, um, you know, Bob, my boyfriend, Bob Seska has been talking about how culturally we have to make a shift. And I agree. And his whole thing is, you know, we're not going to pass any legislation right now. And if we do, which I don't think we will either in this current Congress, if we do pass any kind of legislation, it's not going to be the real meaningful kind that's going to make that much of a difference. You know, maybe we might get a background check and that could help, but it's not going to be the big the big thing that we need. And I, you know, and I agree with him that there needs to be a very similar approach to guns like we had with cigarettes. And, you know, I've been posting some of these ads, and I'm just saying this to you since you have closer proximity to people who are taking things out in the newspaper. Um, <laughs> but I mean, there, I posted a couple photographs of I think there was this one guy who was literally dying of lung cancer and he was just very skinny and he was in a bed and they were like, this is what it looks like when people die of lung cancer from smoking. And those PSA ads were not so much about shaming, but about telling the truth of what happens. Now I wouldn't suggest using victims in, in an ad or something like that, but like there was yeah. that one time in the New York times that they posted the picture of an ER room after a teenager had been shot three times and didn't make it. And it was just awful. I mean, the, there was no buddy in the picture. It was just a picture of the aftermath of the operation and the blood and everything. And honestly, I think that it sounds really horrible to, to say that we need to have these kinds of truths shoved in our face, but I think we do because we look at what happened with, you know, Columbine and Sandy Hook and all these gun massacres and nothing's getting done. And so, again, it's not about exploiting victims. It's about telling the the ugly, disgusting truth of it. So I'm throwing that out there to you. I don't know how much pull you have, but I would love to see, you know, like PSA campaigns just telling the truth about gun violence that's very uncomfortable for people well it's interesting because like i think it was during their iraq war that they the media stopped showing images of, mm-hmm. of war mm-hmm. and now with ukraine it's kind of we're seeing we're seeing those images because mm-hmm. they're up on social media we're seeing what people are putting out there because it's not just we're not just reliant upon the media yeah. and i think it's very important mm-hmm. to show the effects of war and very and i think it would be very effective to show the effects of gun violence now i do think that like as far as like victims and stuff like that like you I, you want to respect the of privacy course, and the yes. families and all of that yeah and, you never um, want to exploit their pain exactly like that's i just but at the same time like say if you were to plaster the walls with with the victims yeah of of like congress of like this of the senate mm-hmm. and be like what your inaction keeps you've created this mm-hmm. you you were the reason this is happening because it doesn't need to happen because yeah. i live in, i live in connecticut and it is incredibly hard to get a gun here so i've actually been i it's I, been over a year i just got my they always say if you can't beat them join them <laughs> so i i just got I, I just got fingerprinted for my background and then all the stuff for my background check. I went through training over a year ago 
and then got like my certificate and then had to like fill out all this stuff. I had to get forms notarized. I have to get an FBI background check. I have to do all this stuff. And then like, it's just like, literally it's been over a year process Mm -hmm. and they make it not impossible, but they make it hard. Like it's like, and that's honestly the way it should be. You shouldn't be able to just walk into a store and buy, you know, an Mm -hmm. AR-15 or any gun for that matter. Especially like we when you're 18 you're or 21, and responsible, yeah. and you know how to use this yeah. weapon, right? Yeah, and I mean, especially when you're 18 or 21, and you know, I mean, because they're talking about now. I mean, I'd love to see legislation that would be passed about you know having insurance, um, yeah. liability insurance for the gun manufacturers or, or the people who sell whatever it is. The same idea with alcohol. The same idea. Um, we've seen it before, and it's it's been effective. And the gun lobby has been protected against this. So I don't think we're going to see that meaningful legislation in this Congress for obvious reasons. That's why we need to to give Democrats a majority. And somebody argued, I've said this before, but I want to reiterate it. Um, Somebody on social media said to me, because, you know, everybody knows more. Everybody's so much smarter than everybody else on social media. But I said something about... um, I'm trying to remember exactly now what it was, but just about, you know, how we need to give Democrats a bigger majority. And they're like, well, they haven't done anything. And there's been all these gun massacres. And it's like, but the last time the Democrats had a majority was the first two years of Obama's term. And prior to that, yeah, we had Columbine. I think that was in 1999. But that was not it was not yet a thing. It wasn't like school shootings were a regular occurrence in this country. And they are now. And that's the difference. And I'm not saying that, oh, that's why they're, you know, because it wasn't regular, we were just too lazy to pass. Yeah, I guess you could say that. Democrats weren't hyper-focused, especially when they had the majority in 20, um, 2009 and 2010. They were hyper-focused on health care that they passed and that millions and millions of Americans love and want and rely on every day. So that's what they were able to do at that period, you know, during that majority. And then Democrats didn't show up in 2010 and 20. Uh, what is it, 2014, so we lost the majority and we got Mitch McConnell. And I think that we have to focus on, that's like the most important thing. Yes, we have to have Democrats show up and we have to get a majority, a bigger majority so we can pass those. But until that happens, and I know cultural shifts take a while, but I think, you know, if we were to see the New York Times, if, you know, we already saw, I think it was the New York, um, it was a New York sports team because I don't follow sports. I can't remember which one it was. But it was in New York. Maybe it was the Mets. I don't remember. But they're, they're using their channel to talk about gun violence. And if we see more like big, influential, whether it's newspapers or, you know, sports teams or just influential personalities in our culture talking about gun safety, gun violence, and it's, 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 it's a bit of a shaming thing, but it's more of a we are not tolerating this just like we are not tolerating cigarettes in a restaurant it's just you know yeah you can still smoke but you can't smoke in an office you can't smoke in a building it's you can't do it anymore and while people were pissed off when it first happened everybody's just used to it now because humans adapt (laughs) that's what we do we adapt to circumstances so i i really you know i mean i know like i said you're not in charge of coming up with all of that but if you ever talk to anybody i mean i don't you know whatever idea that would be not exploitive but shocking and uncomfortable because yeah. we, we need that slap in the face to kind of be pushed and it's i mean 80% of us are you know there's a breakdown of what people want you know 70% 80% say background checks 60% say get rid of you know ban assault whatever i'm not saying these are accurate numbers but i'm just saying that there are different groups of people who who want different things but the overall thing is a majority of americans want something done that's going to get rid of this fucking problem of constant gun violence in this country and it's not going to happen overnight but we can change it over time and we can start culturally and it's funny because you say something like this on social media and people are like well it's not going to happen tomorrow and it's like i know oh it drives me crazy these people like okay so we need national laws and these conservatives will talk about you know being gun owners and like shall not be infringed in the second amendment and all this all this stuff not realizing that the constitution has always been an ever-evolving ever-breathing mm-hmm. document it's, it's evolved to the time like we don't have slavery anymore women can vote now it's like it's it's always things have changed yeah things have changed I'm not saying that like 
we necessarily need to change the second amendment but we need to look at what it means mm-hmm. we need to look at like it says well-regulated a well-regulated militia mm-hmm. you know what a well-regulated militia is that's the freaking u.s armed forces <laughs> that's our well-regulated militia and they are well trained mm-hmm. and they and they they can only use their weapons at a certain time mm-hmm. in a certain way yeah. And it's just like, it's not just a free for all. It's it's so irresponsible the mm-hmm. way that they've treated and exploited the second amendment. Yeah. Like they're not responsible gun owners. No. They are not at all. No. Especially when they're letting them, that when they're buying, you know, guns for their kids on their 18th birthday. And then those kids yeah. go shoot people. <laughs> I mean, duh. That Now, do you think that, the, okay, I'm hearing from certain people just random people, even somebody like David Hogg, that this is this gun debate that we're having right now, that this is different. Do you feel this is different? I do feel it's different. I, however, I thought it would be different after Newtown. Mm-hmm. Um, I only live like 20 minutes from Newtown. And I think that's why in Connecticut, the laws changed mm-hmm. so much here. And we need national laws. Oh, speaking of national laws too, a lot of people down South will have to be like, well, the gun violence in the cities up North or mm-hmm. in Chicago or here, there and the, everywhere. Although a lot of those guns are purchased in Southern states because it's so yeah. easy to get them. And right. then they're brought up to these other areas. Mm-hmm. We need national laws where that cannot happen anymore. Yeah. It's, it's, these laws that they have where you can just go, you don't like permit was it permitless carry or something like that. Mm-hmm. It's just it's irresponsible and all it's doing is shoving money into gun manufacturers' pockets. That's yeah. it. And you know, talking about the gun control semantics of this, they you know, I mean the same thing with pro life. You know, they're not pro life. And they want people to believe that they're pro-life, but they're not. And so the gun control is like, yeah, they want to control your guns. Um, This all boils down to the gun lobby wants to make money, and they're literally marketing to children. And, you know, I think it's that Daniel something or other gun manufacturer that they're all looking at right now, whoever they are. I think it's the DOJ. They're looking at, you know, their, their marketing strategies because it's like the same with cigarettes, they were marketing yeah. them to children. And some of this shit needs, I mean, we need to figure out how to, I'm not anti-capitalism. I know there are a lot of people who are, I, I don't want to get rid of the idea that you can go make something for, you know, like make a certain, you know, a certain amount of money. You can be wealthy because you came up with this idea or you're a really good doctor, whatever it is. I'm all for, although I don't, I think there should be some kind of a cap on massive wealth because people like Elon Musk are not helping. But, um, but still I, I, the idea that, Hey, you go and start your business and you make a good life for yourself and you can make a lot of money. That's fantastic. But when it comes to corporations having, you know, being considered people and corporations having so much money, that they get to control the narrative, that's where we have a problem. And I I don't know what the answer is, but we have to, as a society, have to figure out literally how to protect our children from the capitalist vultures because that's what they, they, they do not give a shit about human life. They care about their bottom line. And if that means getting Kids hooked on cigarettes, so be it. Kids hooked on vape, so be it. Kids all about the guns, so be it. People die, they don't care. They just count their they money. Don't care. And we have to figure out a way to combat that. And that's not easy because you can't just do it with legislation. You can. You can you can repeal Citizens United, which will be a big fat fucking effort. You know, there's certain things that we can do, but I, I honestly believe if if we could get together as a unified country where we have a unified message, I mean, I remember there was that episode in Family, yeah, Family Ties, where they got a gun, and I think there might have been a rash of robberies in the neighborhood or whatever the reason was they got a gun, and then Alex comes home late one night, and they don't know that it's him, and they bring the gun down, and you know the father's so scared because he almost shot Alex, and then afterward they do a PSA about guns. And we are so far away from that because at that time I know I'm sure the second amendment people were like fuck you family ties fuck you liberal parents I'm sure they were but generally speaking that kind of message at that time was not a big controversial thing it was like oh that's common sense 
Um, and yeah, if you want to have a gun in your home for safety, that's, that's one thing. But we have gone so beyond that now. You know, I mean, I, I, keep, I keep going to Joe Walsh. And I, I don't want to talk shit about the man because I know that he is trying his best to not be a deplorable. <laughs> but he, you know, he is still wildly defending his right to own multiple assault rifles. And what, it's is ridiculous. He, what does he need it for? That's the thing. You don't need and You don't need an AR-15. You don't need it. Like, there's no, then they're like, oh, we need to, we need to, like, first of all, like, I just want to, back to your point of kids, like, I get, I think guns are now the number one yeah. source of de- death in the country, um, which is horrifying. Yeah. Um, and then go back, going back to the assault rifles, it's like, oh, you want to go after, you know, like, we want to be able to shoot raccoons and yeah. possums. And I'm like, okay, first of all, get a dog. Like, <laughs> like, like Cooper, my, my lab mix, he freaking caught a woodchuck the other day. Wow. And like Joe and bunnies, like just Aww. get a dog or like <laughs> just get a pellet gun and scare them away. You yeah. don't need an AR-15. Right. Which literally rips through flesh and like tumbles as it goes. It's fucking awful. Yeah. It's the worst. It's it it it's it's devastating. This I, I get, my wife gets mad at me when I get into like what the actual damage does. Yeah. She's like, "Why do you have to be so vivid?" I'm like, "Cause people need to fucking hear what it does." Yeah, I agree with you. Yeah, we we have to be honest about this shit. One of the things human beings do and Americans do very very well, and I'm not saying other countries don't do this, but. We love to just ignore shit that we don't like. You know, I mean, the, the, I, I think perfect proof is Al Gore and inconvenient truth. You know, we just ignored him and look at where we are. And now we're, you know, now people who live in California, I moved to Southern California in 1977. And I'll tell you, fire season was usually like very late September, maybe mm-hmm. through October. And that was it. Fire season now starts in fucking May. So, it, you know, it, 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 we ignore shit that we don't like. And what winds up happening is we become desensitized to it because we're, we're so good at ignoring it. And we need yeah. to know what happens when you get shot with an AR-15. We People are to. so into their, like, they're into their own existence. And that's fine to a certain degree, but they're so self-absorbed. They're self-absorbed with gun ownership, thinking yeah. that their right to own a gun or own a specific gun is is matters more than the lives of children. Mm-hmm. Like, their own personal, like that. And, or if they or they get so involved in their own lives and their world and their town and their kids, and they're like, I'm like, I get that. Like, my brother, is, he's a teacher, and he, and he has kids in Little League, and you get so absorbed into that. But he also pays attention to what's going on mm-hmm. in the world. Mm-hmm. And it's super important that you're able to do both. Because if yeah. you just turn things off, it, and, then you just, and then you just start blaming people. Like, you blame Biden for mm-hmm. gas prices, like yeah. a freaking moron. Like, you don't even understand what's going on. I don't know. I'm, just, I'm getting heated. <laughs> no, I love it. I love heated Sarah. I love it. I just, I don't know why, but when you said freaking moron, it just made me laugh. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it's just like, they're like, oh, well, Biden, the gas prices are Biden this. And I'm just like, do you even understand what's going on in the world and why gas prices are the way that they are? Well, gas prices were better two years ago. We were in a pandemic two years ago. Nobody was driving. So it's supply and demand. You love capitalism, but clearly don't understand it. (laughs) Now people are driving, they're going places and we, we have a less of a supply because of shit yeah. that's going on in the world that's just shit it's happening and and it's still lower in this country than it is in most so you know but but we're stupid and i don't know it just drives me nuts it all fucking drives me nuts the stupidity i mean american people some of it's you know we have to take responsibility for our own lives and for our home and so there's a lot of responsibility that i lay on us the voters but it's also, you know, you have to recognize what is around Fox News and uh, people. I'm, you, I, you'll have to excuse me. I've got so many things in my mouth right now because I'm having hot flesh. <laughs> so I have uh, these little pellets in my mouth if I sound like I'm talking funny. And, and that's, that's why. So I am just had to interrupt that. But um, th- 
I don't know. I, I think that you, you've got Fox News, you've got the talk radio, you've got the defunding of education, you've got all these things at play that's causing, you know, the public to not really fully grasp and understand what's going on. So even though I, you know, I, I, I can't say everything is all one, the fault of one thing, but I wish more people would fucking wake up to what's going on. Um, it's like we, we, we go to our little echo chamber. I try not to be in an echo chamber. I mean, I'm, I'm in an echo chamber in that I am trying to get true information from people that I trust. Most of those people are liberals. There are a few conservative people out there who I think maybe we disagree on certain things, but I trust them, um, and not many. But, uh, you know, I trust them for maybe the one thing, like one thing, like, for instance, I trust Liz Cheney with what she's doing with one six outside of that. No, because we have a yeah. completely different political <laughs> ide ideology and she votes the wrong way all the time. But I do trust her in the one six committee. I don't think that she is steering us in the wrong direction. there. I think she genuinely believes that these deplorables are what they are and insurrectionists, etc. Um I don't know. I, I'm going off onto a tangent. Ultimately, I just think that, you know, we all, I, I tweeted today that we, we're all living in this house, right? America is our house, and the Republicans hate the liberals so much, they're bringing in a bunch of termites, and they don't realize that the entire house fucking falls down. So it's like they're going to get rid of their own house to own the libs. And that's what they're doing. And I just, I feel like, oh my God, how, how do we as a, an American community, um, get over this. And I, I don't know if we can, but, you know, I do want to ask you a question about uh, the, I don't know, I don't want to call it the upcoming election, just what's, what's you know, what's going to happen in the future. But first, I want to do a quick ad, and we will be back after this message. Hey there, it's Kimberly. If you'd like to support the Start Me Up podcast, just visit patreon.com slash startmeup. You'll see all the different tiers. You can make your choice and you will have my undying gratitude. Thank you so much. Okay, we're back. So do you think we're going to be able, and I ask this to everybody almost every show, but as we inch closer to the midterms, do you think we're going to be able to pull this off? Do you think we're, I mean, the Republicans are going in such a fucking, I mean, they're, they they are deranged. I think that like Bob said that to me last night. That is the perfect word. They are deranged. Do you think we're they gonna are. be able to overcome this? I well, I hope so. <laughs> My fear is that they've been like kind of rigging local elections and local state elections and stuff like that, that it's gonna hurt, you know, votes actually yeah. being counted. They they always tell you exactly what they're doing, they're doing when they blame yeah. Democrats for doing it. They're like, oh, well, Democrats are trying to rig the election. And they're basically like, no, they're they are literally rigging the election. Mm -hmm. Like they literally are. Yeah. Like through gerrymandering and through mm -hmm. certain election laws and trying to make it so you can't have mail in ballots yeah. and um do I think I think if we have voter turnout, mm -hmm. we can win because we yeah. have the popular we have the popular ideas. We, we have the, the people that are actually going to do the work for the people. And if people actually show up like they did in 2020, then yes, we will win. So it's going to all come down yeah. to voter turnout. Now, what do you think about, because uh, this is not surprising to me, and I know it's not surprising to you, but just in a general sense, Fox isn't airing the 1-6 committee hearings. <laughs> <laughs> I know, I know. I wrote a tweet earlier for vote that <laughs> I said, I said, it's weird that they're not airing the January 6th, considering it's their, it's their viewers, viewers were at the start of the show. <laughs> yes, and I did retweet that, <laughs> and I knew you wrote it. <laughs> and that's so like, true. Yeah. Well, I, mean, I had to get that out there because it was like, yeah. <laughs> do you well, we think, think January 6th is like one of our top issues um, yes. at VoteFets? Like, yeah. we're, it's like, yeah, especially like, and, and it all comes down to like military extremism too, because a lot of yeah. the people who were there right. were um, like veterans mm -hmm. or were, some of them were even in the military. And it's just like they're breaking yeah. their oath by doing what they did. And that's a major issue. Yeah. Um, yes, it is. Holy shit, it is. Do, yeah. Do you think, though, like, I mean, like, okay, what's going to come out? I mean, there's all this speculation. Jamie Raskin is saying we're going to blow the roof off the house. Now, I said yesterday on Twitter that I, first of all, it's important. I don't want anybody to be confused about that. I absolutely think airing it on television is important, and I wish we could have more than two nights. 
but um that said do you like the idea of this coming out on television i don't know if you know we might be hearing a lot of new information i hope so i don't think it's going to change too many votes i think that it may you know i mean it really depends it's not going to change the base the base is not even going to watch it um they may not even know it's airing uh Beyond that, though, I think they've decided what to feel about it already because it's, you know, it's been however long now, a year and a half since this has happened. And so, yeah, they've been spinning it for a year over for a year and a half as like, oh, there's just people standing up for their rights for their First Amendment votes. And right. They've, they've been spinning it for a year. Like the violent ones were, they were plants and they went in there to like make us look bad and all these like stupid conspiracy theories and like. Oh, they were, it was like, they were legitimate, what was it, legitimate tourists or something like right. that. Yeah, you smear <laughs> shit on the wall and stuff. Yeah, that's that's legitimate tourism. Um, but, do, but do you, like, what was I going to say about this? Um, oh, the idea that I don't think it's necessarily going to change a lot of votes. I think what, it, the, what will change votes or what will bring Democrats out in bigger numbers will be the killing of Roe. Because yes. I think we've had this in our, like, we've known about this, and it's like you said, there's spinning of it and all of that stuff. We've known about this as not new information, and, okay, we're going to have these hearings, and I hope they're explosive. But, I mean, we've already seen, we've already heard that fucking Donald Trump was cool with Mike Pence being hung or, or you know, yeah. something happening to well, him. Donald Trump's a crime boss. Mm-hmm. He... Um, my fear is that they're not going to be able to find the dirt on him because he's like he's like an Al Capone where like mm-hmm. you're not going to ever have to get him for a crime other than like tax fraud. Yeah. That's what they could probably get him on because like he has all his little lackeys all around yeah. him just doing all his dirty work for him and he stays his hands are clean. Yeah. And that's my fear. But if they can somehow tie him to the planning of the insurrection, Mm -hmm. then they can somehow make it so he cannot run for president in 2024. That is my ideal thing. I just don't want him to be anywhere near the White House ever again. Mm Yeah, but I preferably want him in prison. I just don't want him in charge of the country. He can he can waste out his days all sweaty in Mar-a-Lago. I don't <laughs> care. I just don't want him in charge of our government. Like, I don't want yeah. him being a leader in the government. No, I totally get what you're saying. But the thing that scares me is, like, I think, you know, people argue about – not argue, but, I mean, they'll argue that, oh, Donald Trump could be our next president. But if, if we're, if we're going to see another Biden v. Trump, Biden already won. And – I'm not saying Trump couldn't win again. He could. But I feel like he he would be if I were a Republican, I would not want Trump to be the nominee. I mean, it was 8 million votes. He lost by 8 million votes. So, he got yeah. a lot of votes, but he lost by a big amount of votes. So, that was telling me that Republicans were not showing up, that independents were showing up, some Republicans were bo- voting for Biden. Ron DeSantis is what really scares me because that's has not we haven't seen any kind of matchup with Biden and DeSantis. And, you know, Biden is older. And the thing is, is both Trump and Biden are older men. You've got a younger man in DeSantis. You've got, uh, you know, he's not somebody that everybody knows like like they they know Trump. And, And Americans have this stupid habit of going, well, let's try the new guy. How bad can he yeah. be? So that's what really scares me. But I totally am with you on, yeah, I mean, keep Donald Trump away from the fucking White House. <laughs> keep them yeah. all away from the White House. Oh, my God. It's just so horrible. Uh, you know, what I want to ask you this um, is. Well, he wouldn't care what he could do with a second term. Like, he would just he be. Do whatever he'd he wanted. probably be like a Putin. Oh, he totally <laughs> and, would. And set it up so he would never have to leave. Oh, of course he would. Oh, my God. I mean, that's what he was trying to do in fucking 2020. So, yeah, exactly. he would absolutely do that. Um, but, you know, as we, you know, we're, get, we're, not, we're only approaching the midterms, but we're going to look forward a little bit into 20, 2024. Um, do you, do, what kind of appetite do you see out there for Republicans? Do you think that it would be somebody like Ron DeSantis? I mean, I know the funny thing is, and I hate to say this is funny because none of this is funny, but the fact that... Mike Pence thinks he has a shot in hell just makes me laugh. <laughs> <laughs> it is. He, he doesn't stand a shot in hell. Because, like, 
regular Republicans, like the sane, the sane ones, mm-hmm. who are, for whatever reason are all Republicans, um, they, they're just like, Ugh, whatever, he's so meh. Like, he's so just <laughs> like, and he was like, and he's, you see him with Trump. Mm-hmm. And then he's not at all extreme like a DeSantis or no. any of these other. Not at all. Like a, and it'll yeah. just be a joke. But do you, do you think then, like, are you getting any kind of gut feeling about who they might put up? Because I'm my gut feeling is it's going to be DeSantis. I think they're going to put up Trump and I think they're, I don't, and I think unless Trump is just grifting, which he could just be grifting, Mm -hmm. it's very possible. Mm -hmm. Um, Then there, I think the very good possibility could be DeSantis. Absolutely. (gasps) Because he's got a natural, he's got a national um, profile. Mm -hmm. People know who he is. Mm -hmm. He's got name recognition. Um, He's so bad. Yeah. I don't know. He's awful. He's so bad. He's, so bad like he's he's the worst this whole like uh everything like they're gonna ban books but not guns they're gonna right. ban talking about gay people but they're not gonna ban guns like mm-hmm. they just don't they're just it's i don't want to say handmaid's tale because it's it's like dumber than that mm-hmm. it's just like it's just it's dumb handmaid's it's, tale it's like it's like just pandering to these mm-hmm. bigots who want to see it and it just makes them popular in the polls yeah it's just yeah i, I don't even think they believe half the shit they say no, I don't think they believe it either. I think they understand that they are putting out propaganda to the to the base that's not very intelligent. You know, I think that's there was, the bottom line. Yeah, there was that minister. He was just on. I just saw a video about this minister saying that we need to shoot gay people, oh like God. line them up and shoot them in the head. Oh and he's like a normal hate speech preacher that I've seen before. And like, I just like kind of been like, oh, whatever. Mm-hmm. But what scares me is when you hear people in the audience going, yeah, mm-hmm. that's right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Those are the ones that scare me. Cause yes. those are the ones that are going to go out and act. Yes. That's they, exactly it. That's exactly it. Yeah. Because these people, Ron DeSantis understands what he's doing. Ted Cruz understands. It's like, for instance, there's this whole thing now where all the Republicans are acting like you know, um, they're seizing all this fentanyl or all these drugs at the border, and then they're calling it <laughs> Biden border crisis. It's like, oh my God, Biden is doing exactly. You know, Biden's uh, border patrol is doing. But but the thing is, is that I think the Democrats by I think we need to stop pointing out that what they're doing because I've done it. But to stop pointing out, hey, yeah, you're praising Democrats and call them out for what they are doing. Because what they are doing is they're taking a Biden accomplishment and they're they're twisting it as if it's a failure because then the base will just accept. It's not even buying into it. It's just accepting it. It's giving yeah. them, because we've all seen those interviews where the guy goes out to a Magarelli and starts asking people questions and he, he like asks a question that is based in logic. <laughs> you know, like why why would Antifa attack the Capitol if their guy won. And and so the talking point that the base has been given for why it's Antifa is, oh, they want to make us look bad. Like they're all they're gonna fucking go kill Capitol Police to make Donald Trump look bad or, you know, the the Republican Party. It's it's ridiculous what they say. But that's what they're doing. The Republican Party is giving the idiot base talking points at, for themselves. Just so they can justify what's going on and 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 so what they're they're like doing this weird mind fuck by turning a success into a failure and people who are like my MAGA relative um she'll just take whatever somebody says on the right and run with it with with the logic that biden is at fault and and i mean i don't even know what if you went up to these people and you'd say okay do you want drugs to be seized at the border? Do you want the American Border Patrol to successfully seize illegal drugs? Yes, I do. Okay, well, that's what Biden's doing. I don't know exactly what they would say, but I think what, these, what this messaging is doing is prepping them to not get it. And, and they won't because they are fucking followers. They are lemming sheep who just go along with whatever they're told by, you know, their leaders who do know better. And that's the way. And it's like I see, you know, liberals always want to point out, oh, Marjorie Taylor Greene's so stupid. Yes, she is. But you know what? She just won her fucking second primary. And she's yeah, likely going to exactly. meet Marcus. She's probably going to meet. I keep saying meet, beat Marcus Flowers. 
And 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 the reason yeah, I'm she, saying yeah. that, I, is, we, I mean, I hope not. Like, I hope I, not. I want, yeah, I hope not. But, but I mean, it's a very red district. But I mean, there's always there's miracles. Yeah, but, there's um, miracles, and it might happen. But no, these like, people, like, no, you're right. Like the, these these Republicans, they know exactly what they're doing. They know exactly what they're saying. I've always said the only mm-hmm. thing Republicans are good at, the only thing they're actually good at is messaging. Yes. Because they know how to twist words and get people to believe them. And they don't care what they're saying as long as they remain in power. Mm-hmm. They don't, they don't care. And I was laughing this morning. I thought of you because Marsha Blackburn tweeted about the caravan, the largest caravan coming oh, towards the border. God. And we had, we talked about that last yeah. time. I was like, when, when is the caravan going to come? And I'm like, <laughs> and there, there it is. is. <laughs> and I thought of you. <laughs> Sherry, Sherry Jacobus calls her a bag of hair, and that just makes me laugh. I just have to throw that out there. <laughs> um, oh, she's so she's the worst. <laughs> she really is. They're all the worst. Okay, they so are all I, the worst. I, I have to stop talking about politics now and move over into a little bit more fun. So I, I asked you to make a list of. I just thought, what can we talk about that's fun? So I sent you all these random things, but actually, one of <laughs> what one of the things that I want to talk about. And I wrote about this the other day, but I, I kind of want to talk about, and you and I have touched on it to a degree, but when we were teenagers, uh, you know, like w- what informed you or when you were kids, like a kid, what informed you about sex? And I'm just curious because you and I are about 10 years apart and you grew up with religion. I didn't. Um, we have very different points of view <laughs> when it comes yeah. to this stuff. But, you know, I mean, this piece that I wrote yesterday, I wrote it, I was inspired by the fact that Republicans want to ban books with subject matters that they don't like. Um, Most of it has to do with race, but my, you know, I I came out with a book with my mom. My mom and I put it together in uh, 2010. It's called The Virgin Diaries, and we just interviewed men and women gained straight about what does it feel like to have first-time sex. And my whole thing was I wanted to focus on the emotional aspect because when I was six years old, I asked my mom, what is sex? And she, she felt uncomfortable, but she was very, like, matter-of-fact. And she said, she gave me the hetero answer and said, it's when a man puts a penis in a woman's vagina. And I was like, ah! I was so grossed out and freaked out, but intrigued. And I know I asked her again. I got the same answer again. I didn't elaborate. I didn't continue to ask. She only gave me the answer to the question that I asked. But the interesting thing was, it's like I wrote this this piece because uh, yesterday, again, because of the banning of books, when I was 10 years old, I read Forever by Judy Bloom. Did you ever read that book? I read a lot of Judy Bloom, so I'm not sure. I might it, it was the one you wouldn't <laughs> forget. This is this is the one uh, where Michael and Kath had sex, and Michael named his penis Ralph, and it was very, very, very descriptive. I mean, to the I did point. Not read that. My yeah, mom probably you, you would have remembered it. Um, and yeah. I mean, I read it when I was in fifth grade. My girlfriend brought it to school, and I might, you know, in my book, The Virgin Diaries, I might have said I read it when I was nine because I was just forgetting. It was it was fifth grade. I was ten, not nine. But my girlfriend bought, brought it to school, and at recess, she read all the sex parts. And oh my God, we were just like, oh, and I ran to the bookstore after school, and I bought the book, and it was the first like real book that I ever read. It was 220 pages in less than 24 hours. I was completely fascinated about it. And, and, you know, and then eventually, my mom and I put together the Virgin Diaries, and I would ask parents, you know, I'd tell them, okay, I'm doing this. It's, the, the focus is not so much on the physical, even though they, people do share the physical experience of first-time sex. It's more about the emotional aspects and what went along with it. And the reason I wanted to write that was for me. When I was young, I had questions about sex that I just couldn't ask my mom. In the book, Forever, Michael would ask Kath, did you come? And, he, and, and it was spelled C-O-M-E. And I just couldn't, I knew that I couldn't ask my mother what that meant. I, and if I would have, I, I, I'm sure she would have tried to figure out a matter of fact way to explain it to me, but I, I knew enough. I had a vague understanding of what it meant, but I didn't fully understand it. And so I just wanted to, you know, provide this book for young minds like mine who are curious. And so when I would say to a parent, at what age would you let your kid read a book like this? Like almost every parent was like 18. But the average, <laughs> the average first-time sex in America is 16.9. So it's like, well, that's too late. And, you know, I, I, I read this book when I was 10 years old. And while I was not interested in or ready for sex, 
reading it at that age helped me as I, you know, became a teenager and a preteen. It really helped me understand why I wasn't ready to have sex yet. When I, you know, when it was happening all around me, when when my girlfriends were having sex and I wasn't, I understood to a degree what it meant emotionally because I read that book. And I just thought, I'm not ready for that. And I didn't get the wrong information from a friend who, you know, like I had a friend when I was 14 um, who was having sex. And she was cool with it. She wasn't freaked out by it. And I don't know how it affected her as an adult, but she wasn't, she didn't have a problem with it. You know, she continued to do it. And I just knew. I didn't judge her or anything, but I just thought, I can't, I can't do that. And I don't know, you know, if I hadn't read that book, I probably at 14 would still feel like I can't do that. But it, it, it gave me a perspective, and, and parents get so afraid that they think that if a kid learns about sex that they're going to want it. But that's, that's, an exact, that's not what happened with me. I was just no. like, oh, I understand yeah. now why I don't want to do it too soon. So, like, what was your experience growing up? Again, you had such a different experience than me. Yeah. So most of what I learned was through my friends. So my like, I, it was drilled into me that, like, I had to – you know, wait for marriage. Like right. sex was something that, uh, that a husband does with a wife. And it's like when two people love each other and then they make babies, like it was like very, very Christian outlook on mm-hmm. things. Very P very PG mm-hmm. there. I mean, I knew like the anatomy of it. I knew what happened with it. Like, mm-hmm. like that I was taught, but it was like, but it's like, this is something you don't do until you're like married mm-hmm. or, you know, but I had friends who were doing things. And like, I just, I just never really, Wanted to, especially never really wanted right. to with men. Boys, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I, um, but I have, you know, like I have, I had a mm-hmm. serious boyfriend in college, and like I d- clearly didn't wait until marriage, right? And you know, but I had an honest conversation with my mom about it, and like got, went on birth control and did all the responsible things that you're supposed to do. So she clearly did something right raising me, yes, um, to be responsible. And I think that's a lot of what sex education should be. And yes. I think it should start very young, honestly, yeah. because you want to raise kids in this environment where it's comfortable, that they're comfortable to talk about it mm-hmm. and know what to do if the situation arises or, you know, mm-hmm. if they don't want to feel forced into anything that yeah. they don't want to do. You yeah, know, like that's really like important. if they feel like if they're peer pressured or mm-hmm. whatever, you know, it's I don't know. I think I think I am honestly like sex education in kindergarten. I know that sounds really extreme and people are going to be like, you're <laughs> fucking crazy. And I'm like, I'm with no, because I have my I have my degree in child development. That mm-hmm. is my degree. Mm-hmm. And kids, kids fucking know what's going on. They do. And there are nine year olds who get pregnant because they don't know what the fuck is happening with their bodies. Yeah. And they just like stick things into holes and shit happens and they end up pregnant. <laughs> so it's like, let's teach our kids responsibly, you know, like this is what's going to happen if you do this. Like, yeah. it's, it's like, it's not going to teach kids how to have sex. Right. It's going to be like, these are the consequences of having sex. This could happen to you if you have sex. Mm-hmm. This is like being like, it's a very adult thing. You've got to know what you're doing. You know, it's like, yeah. And you know what else? I mean, I always used to say it's funny because when I was in college, I took a human sexuality course and there were pages in my textbook that had graphic color pictures of all kinds of sexually transmitted uh, infections and diseases. And so there was venereal warts and oh my God, there was like a whole penis covered with venereal warts. It was so awful. And then I believe there was a picture of herpes, um, which looked very painful and awful. And just various different pictures. And I thought, you know what? If I were a parent, I would show my teenage kid. It's kind of like scared straight. This is something that could happen to you. And while some parents might feel like, oh, I don't want to scare my kids. I mean, I don't want them to rush off to have sex, but I don't want them. No, this is something that happens. This goes back to the gun conversation. Be honest about it. You don't have to exploit. You don't have to take it into a direction, into like an, an extreme direction. But, but yeah, and little kids, like you said, even, even three-year-old, four-year-old, five-year-old, six-year-old kids, they have a sense of what's going on because of the world around them. Music. That's just it. That's yeah. exactly right. Even like, even seeing like their parents or older siblings or what whatnot, like it's just like they need to, you need to teach them, mm-hmm. other, like teach them the ways in the world and they will grow up to be wise because otherwise <laughs> they're just going to be, you know, they, they're just going to be stumbling around and being like, oh, what's that? And right. like. You know, it's and a lot of times friends 
you know, so my friend told me when I hadn't had sex yet, she's like, oh, my God, it's so great. Now, it, it is so great once you know what you're doing. And when when you have heterosexual sex for the first time and you're a girl, it doesn't happen to every one of us. But, you know, my hymen was fucking torn apart. And it I called it like in, in my in the Virgin Diaries when I wrote my story. I referred to it as a ripping pain because that's what it was. I could feel my skin ripping and it fucking hurt. It hurt so much. And so while I knew my girlfriend was being honest with me that, hey, sex is really fun. First time sex for me was not fun. And most of the time it's not. And it's funny, too, because in the Virgin Diaries, when I would ask fathers, would you let your daughter read this? Oh, my God, they'd freak out. But it's like I would encourage every single man to read the stories in that book because a man with a daughter who's afraid because almost every person, almost every woman was like, I mean, some women really enjoyed it. There was a woman who was like, I think she was in her 80s when I interviewed her. And she said, you know, I did it. I liked it. And I wanted to do it again. And of course, I wanted to do it again, too, because I understood it wasn't going to hurt every time. But it fucking hurt. And it was weird. And you're awkward. You're not comfortable with yourself yet. So, you know. If you're fortunate enough to have a first-time experience with someone who truly loves you and will be gentle, even that's difficult. You know, and mine was was with somebody that, I mean, my, my first-time experience was not at all loving and gentle, but it was this very punk rock situation, which was kind of gross and crude, but I had a lot of fun. So it was like that, that not the sex part, but the whole the whole experience of it, it made me feel like I was, I don't know, some kind of rebel or something. I was hanging out with punk rock kids, so I just thought I was being so punk rock. But beyond that, it's just awful. And, 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 and parents, you know, especially these fathers who are so frightened of their precious little daughters, it's like, well, why don't you read about what it's really like for these girls? And most of them were like, I wish I would have waited. I wish I would have waited. <laughs> because they gave in for the wrong reasons. They gave in because they were being pressured and they didn't yeah. know how to handle it. And I mean, I was, I kind of gave in from pressure, but I was mentally at that point prepared. I was ready. And I never had a regret about it. And I still credit the Judy Bloom book because it's like, because of that, I knew when I was mentally prepared to deal with sex. And it's like, yeah, we all, we can understand the, the, the you know, how it works and what you do. But then there's all that shit that goes on in your mind. And if you're, if you're not strong at that, if you don't have a strong foundation of who you are, and, and most teenagers don't, you know, it, it, can, it can go into a direction that's confusing or painful or, you know, something negative. And so, but that's interesting. And I'm really, I'm glad to, it's not surprising to hear that your parents, uh, you know, especially your mom helped you be responsible because you're so responsible. <laughs> it's not at all surprising. But that's interesting. And so now let me ask you this. Uh, when you were, and I don't want to get too much. I know this is personal information. And feel free to just say, I don't want to answer that if I ask you anything too personal. But it's like, okay, so you had your experience um, with, with guys. When, when mm-hmm. you started having experiences with girls, um, was that just pure, like, yay, I've figured it out and I understand who I am? Or was, was it awkward for you when it was with girls? How did that, what was the difference and how did it, like, I don't know, process in your brain? Well, it's, it's interesting because, like, it's about, it was, like, the same. It's, like, you know, your first time with a boy, your first time with a girl. It's, like, it's that same, like, awkwardness. You're not quite sure <laughs> what you're doing yeah, exactly right like you know you kind of know what you're doing yeah but like as far as like me with like a woman it's much more intimate it's like it's the like emotional connection which makes it much more like passionate more mm-hmm. you know and which i'm sure straight women have with their with right. their partners which i never like i never really had it was more just like sex for fun just like men. going for the motion going yeah. through the motion yeah did you Whereas enjoy women, it women it was like more for emotion for and love an actual an actual like vibe with that person so when you had sex with guys or a guy or however many did was you said for fun now was it fun yeah i mean i didn't i didn't hate it i mean it, it was, was what it was right <laughs> <You know>? <laughs> <laughs> see now this is where you've got it over me because i've never i've only been with men i've never had anything with women and and i you know i don't um Bob and I talk about this a lot because we talk about how, especially 
now the whole conversation of the fluidity, you know, like sexual fluidity. And, you know, young people are much more comfortable these days exploring. And, you know, I mean, I, when I went to school, it was still scandalous to hear if someone was gay. And it was funny because when I was nine years old, yeah, nine years old, 10 years old, my mother, we, we needed to get a roommate and a, a gay man wound up becoming a roommate. And, you know, it was wonderful because this was my first real intro- introduction into, to, you know, homosexuality and all that. It's not, not homosexuality, the sex part, but just, you know, the fact that I knew somebody who was gay and not in the closet and open about it. And he was super fucking awesome. And my experience with him was extremely positive. And so I already had this foundation of acceptance and tolerance. But at the same time, you know, your peers, ooh, somebody's gay. It's a big deal and it's scandalous. And now it's like, no one gives a shit. You know, it's like, so what? So what if somebody's gay? And I wonder what my experience would have been, you know, if I was young today, would I be, you know, trying to, you know, trying it out and saying I'm interested in seeing what it's like? I don't know. Because I wonder how much. Well, uh, you're never too old. Like, I'm not, I'm not trying to pressure <laughs> you into trying things out. I'm going to tell Bob, saying, like, Sarah's pressuring I, me into being a lesbian. <laughs> Um, that's what I do I recruit Um, (laughs) that's my whole job that's the gay agenda Um, no like but but no I've had like older female friends who have been married to men have had kids a whole family and then discovered themselves later in life and are now with women well of course yeah Um, yeah I mean I've never felt like I've never felt like I how can I say this? Like, I don't have that desire. Um, I, I could probably handle like, you know, a kid like kissing or some, some top, some, what do you call feel you up play? I could handle that, but I don't know that I could handle the rest of it. And, you know, and it's like, it's just, it's just something that I, and I don't want to say that it's gross because it's nothing about it is gross, but it's like what works for you and what doesn't work for you. And the lower part yeah. of the female body is just not going to work for me when it comes f- for sex. And I know that. And, um, but you know, I mean that that's just because it's like, I'll, here's an example of something similar. There was a friend, it was a male friend that I had a long ass time ago and he's gay. He didn't want to admit that he was gay. And so he didn't, but kind of everyone knew he just he couldn't admit it and so he wanted he had a couple of girlfriends and I had this huge I don't know I don't know if I would call it was a crush but it wasn't a sexual crush it was a different it was a different he was so charismatic and I loved him to pieces and he was so much fun to be around and so I you know he had a couple of girlfriends and I would see him with these girlfriends and I'd feel somewhat jealous. And then one day he decided he wanted me to be his girlfriend. And I was so happy. And so I think I was how old? I was like 18 or I was like 19 years old. So he, you know, we're boyfriend and girlfriend now. It's official. And I'm so happy. And we're, we're, we're watching a movie and we're laying on the floor watching a movie. And so I started to put my arm around him and like kind of scratch his back affectionately. And oh my God, it felt like my brother. (laughs) It was like, it was so wrong. It felt wrong, 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 wrong. So it's not to say that I think it's the woman thing that's wrong per se, but I feel like I would have that same thing. Like, no, this isn't working for me. No, I've never tried it. But I feel like at the same time when I was younger, um, like now I think I'm cemented into, you know, my sexuality. Uh, But I wonder when I was younger, if I were younger now, and I was in school and, you know, everybody's like, hey, you know, I don't exactly know what's going on with all the young people, but just from what I hear, because I'm so out of touch. <laughs> but what I hear is that, yeah, that it's not a thing anymore as like it used to be. And, and people, boys kiss boys, girls kiss girls. And, you know, it's, it's, it's cool. And it's not a thing. It's not a negative thing. And I just wonder, you know, how much of it is like what we learn and cements in us or if, if you're just set if you just you either like it or you don't from you know if you have a different experience when you're younger does that mean it's going to be a different experience when you're older are we all just going by societal norms you know what I mean I 
I know. I I think I know what you're saying. It's like the fact that like, if you're comfortable being yourself when you're younger and feeling to explore, you know, what you might want, like as far as yourself, like as far as like who you are, you know, Mm -hmm. who you want to be with. Mm -hmm. Um, And I also think that like, as far as, you know, being gay, it really depends on where you are in the country even now. True. Yeah. Um, So because there are plenty of parts in this country that still treat it pretty horribly, but um, I do think that the media has really helped. Like I, I always think about all these like gay, sh- like these these gay kids in high school shows, and like I'm just like, right. where were they when exactly, I was? I had to like yeah. I had to like look for innuendos and like <laughs> and like Xena Warrior Princess and like be like, are they? Aren't they? Mm-hmm. And then we had like Buffy the Vampire Slayer, and there was the whole Willow mm-hmm. Tara storyline, and like that was something. But it was like, but even by then, I was like already out of high school. Yeah, and um. <laughs> So it's like I do think that like kids these days are going to be more comfortable mm-hmm. um, exploring themselves. I do think that a lot of sexuality is fluid. Mm-hmm. I think that a lot of bigotry stems from the fact that people may have feelings that they don't want to acknowledge or yes. there, um, or they don't understand, mm-hmm. and it makes them uncomfortable right. or uncomfortable being around gay people because they don't understand like how you could feel that way mm-hmm. um i don't know it's just do i think that like see for me like i did explore when i was younger yeah. <laughs> so like because like i i was with guys up until like 2001 hmm. and then like then it was just i've just been with girls since wow yeah, it's such a fast. It's so fascinating because it's like take away all the bullshit bigotry and politics, and and just you know it's fun to kind of dive in and wonder. You know, I, I was propositioned when I was younger. I would say in my twenties. Like I remember there was this one time, I went to a uh, like a not a diner but like a chain type diner, and the, uh, Foxy's. That's what it was called. It was funny because I just saw a girl who I'm friends with on Facebook and she went to Foxy's and I'm like, oh my God. But anyway, there was this waitress there who let me know she was interested in me. And I think it was the first time that ever happened. And I was taken aback a little bit because again, it had never happened. And she wasn't shy. You know, she was just putting it all out there, letting me know, hey, you know, if you want to, if you want to, whatever, I'm up for it. And so, I mean, it certainly, it certainly didn't offend me in any way, but it, it, yeah. I was, I felt somewhat prudish because it had never happened before. And I was like, whoa, it was kind of like a big deal. And, um, and I just, I think it's funny because as much as I, as much as I'm grateful for the fact that, you know, my mom has always been open and tolerant and, she tried to, you know, share that with me. And again, like, you know, our, our roommate, he was so cool. He was a speech therapist. And I remember like one day he took me to work and he showed me off to all his friends. And, you know, he never, he never, my mother never told him not to bring a date over, but he never brought anybody he was seeing over to our home. And I, I'm almost positive. I didn't think about it at the time, but as an adult, I did. And I think it was because of me. You know, I think he was just trying to do what he thought would be respectable and right. So he kept his sex life away from the house. He didn't even bring a date over. I never saw him with another man. Um, I mean, he didn't hide his gayness. He used to, (laughs) my mom worked for uh, some company having to do with magazines. And so she would get Playgirl. And so she didn't care about Playgirl. So she would give them to him. And he would sit there and read them, like, right in the living room, close up. Like, he'd hold it real close up to his face. So, I mean, he wasn't hiding his gayness and uh, or anything. But he, like I said, I mean, he really, the impression that he made on me, my, my first experience with a gay person, was extremely positive. And, and so I'm very grateful for it. But, but that said, I still grew up in a world where, you know, I was just, like, watching... 16 Candles was on the other night and I had it on for a few minutes and right before they were going to go into the party um, what was it Farmer Ted whatever his real name is and I can't, Michael Anthony Hall is that his name um, you know who I'm talking about right yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, he said to it was John Cusack and the other nerd guy he said don't be faggots and yeah. it, it's like you know that was acceptable then it's not anymore and it shouldn't be but I grew up in that, you know, I grew up. Yeah, in I mean, I grew up in that too. It was yeah. like, I feel like that was acceptable up until like 2005, mm-hmm. honestly. Yeah, exactly. 
So, yeah, I mean, I think it's it, it's so fascinating to talk about and wonder if I had grown up in a different time and maybe had the experience of being sexual with other girls, I don't necessarily think it would have made me go, oh, because I, I don't th- I know that I'm not a homosexual. But at the same time, I don't know. Maybe I would have just been into both. I don't know. You know, we'll never yeah. know. We'll never know. You'll now. never know. <laughs> <laughs> because now uh, it's it's coming up on seven years that I'm I'm with Bob. So it's like, Aww. that's the longest I've never, you know, the longest relationship I ever had outside of Bob was like, I mean, I'll say boyfriend, girlfriend committed relationship was only nine months. And then I had a few guys that I dated off and on for years, but it was never committed. So this is the first committed relationship. So I'm with, I'm with Bob and that's, that makes me happy. So <laughs> I love that. Yeah. Well, that's the other thing you're with, a you're exactly. in a committed relationship. So yeah. it's like, it's like a kind of like the question doesn't mean anything because you're in a right. committed relationship. Yeah. So. And so that's, and you know, but I mean, we have off, often talked about sexual fluidity and, and the aspects of it. And it's just, it's endlessly fascinating. And it's just too bad. So many people in this country are so afraid of the other and things that they don't understand because there's so much to explore and enjoy and, you know, even if you're not into it yourself, I mean, these people that they're turning the, turning away from, like people like you, you're a good, fun person who's just so, I mean, I, I enjoy you so much and I, I sincerely mean that. And I feel like it's so stupid for someone to say, oh, well, she's got, she's gay, so I'm not going to talk to her. She's got brown hair. I'm not going to talk to her. It's just that stupid, you know? It is. So yeah, I agree. Yeah. But whatever. Well, you know, I'm going to save some of the, I don't know if you did make the list. I gave you homework. I did make a list. I did. I have <laughs> we're going to have to save it for next time because we're coming up on, okay. uh, it's been over an hour now. So I don't want to uh, be on, like, I, I'm trying to keep these shows for an hour or under because I know people tune out, but you know, I'll be calling you soon. So save your list <laughs> and I'll okay. save mine and then we'll, we'll come it up because I want to get to them because they're fun. One of the things that I want to talk about is the inappropriate shit in Breakfast Club and 16 Candles, um, which happen to be some of my favorite movies from the uh, teen years. But yeah, they can be problematic now. So we can talk about the next time. But, you know, I just want to say as usual, thank you for your input. I'm so glad that you're with Vote Vets and, um, I'm really impressed by everything that they do. So everybody needs to follow Vote Vets on Twitter if you don't. But before I let you go, as I usually say, tell everybody where to find you. <laughs> you can find me personally at Sarah Wood Writer, S-A-R-A-H-W-O-O-D Writer, like writing things down um, at on all the things, like <laughs> Twitter, Instagram, wherever you want to find me. Um, and then you can like look at pictures of my, my cute dogs and um, com, and then also um, follow it, Vote Vets. Awesome. And of course, I'm author Kimberly, K-I-M-B-E-R-L-E-Y. Don't forget the E. My books are on Amazon. Sarah, I love you. If you're here, I'd give you a big old hug. So uh, thank you for coming on. You always make me happy. And we'll see you next time. I'll be here. All right. Take care. Bye-bye. Okay.